Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer, with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice here in the Above the Law Home Office, and with me is Ellie Mistal. Hi, Joe. How are you? I am good. I'm good. You know, it's not too hot, not too cold out. I'm Lovely. in a great mood today. You're in a great mood. Why are you in a great mood? Well, because I just saw that if you're a white man, you get to drive across the country and screw over your job, and then once you have a great idea, you can just come back to work. It's great. Oh, you're referring to Mad Men, which uh, ended, I guess, probably a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I I thought that was good. I I mean, you're clearly taking the interpretation, not to have spoilers, but you're taking the interpretation he went back to work. Yes. I mean, that that was mine, too. Because he did. (laughs) Certainly that was mine, too, though. They, They left it intentionally a little ambiguous, I think. Yeah, because they want people to fight about it on Twitter. Right. Well. But that's not what's, that's not the TV show that's grinding my gears uh, this week. Oh, it's going to be a TV grinding of gears today. All right, so what's got you angry now? My issue is rape outrage in Game of Thrones. Okay, so if you're not familiar, if you're not, haven't been following the show, if you're not familiar with the show, I'm sorry, I don't know what, to, I don't know what you're doing with your life. But if you are familiar with the show, it's a show about, you know, bad things happening to good people. And in one recent episode, a very bad thing happened to a very good person. One of the main um, sympathetic characters was raped by one of the main horrible characters. And that's terrible, and we're all very sad. And the criticism after that episode has been all about how it was gratuitous, unnecessary uh, uh, violence against women in this episode. But the thing is, is that this is coming mainly from book readers, and in book readers, another character is raped. Now, it's not this particularly sympathetic character, but it's another, you know, woman who gets raped, and I don't, I, and I get really annoyed by people who seem to have this idea that, like, there are sympathetic rape victims and unsympathetic rape victims. I think if you're raped, you're sympathetic. Right. Period. End of story. Well, I mean, I definitely agree with that, and I, I don't know, I haven't been following the, the, backlash against it. But I I think there are two camps of people who would backlash. I think there are people who think that this is a gratuitous thing to have on television as a general matter, to which I think it probably is, though it's also something that is, A, in the original books, and B, part of what makes the original books so powerful is that horrible things are happening, and that these are things that, as much as we wish they weren't true, would have happened in a, you know, medieval world that happened to also have ice zombies. But... The idea of the book readers being upset, yeah, I wouldn't understand that because the poor innocent girl who actually is in that situation in the books is no more or less sympathetic than the than the main character in question. And look, man, if we're going to hate rapists as much as we should, I mean, that's the other thing, right? This is this, the, the depiction of rape in the show, I think, really accurately shows how horrible of a crime is it. And, the, and if you're going to be outraged by that, like, look, it's fine to be outraged about a TV show. Let's be outraged about, you know, actual real-life rapes that, that exist in the world and are doing this to not characters on television, but people in real life. Yeah, and I mean, I, on that point, I think it, to go a little more literary criticism of it, there's there's definitely a distinction to be made by kind of having a gratuitous rape scene that is there to kind of, for lack of a better example, something that it's just there like a SVU sort of situation to glorify it and, and kind of almost consume that misery as part of the currency of the television show. And another when it's happening in a situation that 
they takes the hyper realism to the point where it kind of over identifies with the horror of the crime. Like it's not like a rape happens off screen like it does in SVU, and you say, "Oh, that happened," but like you accept that it's a bad thing, but you know, don't viscerally experience how awful it is. I think almost the visceral experience of it was sickening in a way that made it not a bad depiction, but in, indeed a good one in the long term for raising consciousness of the crime. Yeah, this is why I'm not an English major. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. I, th- I think we need to get off the subject. I mean, there's, there's only so long that uh, two men sitting around talking about rape um, becomes interesting. <laughs> well, that, that's also very true, and now... Weird that you phrased it that way. So we're going to transition out of that quickly. We're going to talk about some rankings today. We've had some fun discussions about a lot of other topics that aren't directly legal, but this one actually is a little closer tied to legal. Our guest is Brian Dalton, who works with us here at Above the Law. He's our director of research. He's also a lawyer by training, but now he crunches numbers for the benefit of the Above the Law audience. Hey, Brian. He's, he's a lawyer hey, that does hey, math. Hey, thanks for having he's me. a unicorn. <laughs> a lawyer who does math. Okay. Yeah, well, so we're here to talk about the Above the Law rankings. Uh, one of the ranking systems that we came up with a couple years back is to rank law schools the way U.S. News does, but better, you know, in a way that can actually help law students figure out, prospective law students figure out what school to go to. So we have our new rankings, which are being unveiled, and we're going to unveil them here, or at least the top 10. So I'll just start off then, I guess. Well, yeah, I, I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll go through the top 10 and uh, kind of in honor of... You know, the David Letterman is no longer on the air, so maybe we'll do this at like a top ten list. So from the home office here in New York, New York, we'll do the top <laughs> – yeah, there's, there it is. We'll do the top ten starting with ten and counting down. Right, great. And so I know this is a podcast, but I am holding a blue index card. Yeah, so it's perfect. So coming in at number ten, NYU, alma mater of Joe Patrice. Yeah, all right. At least oh, it's the top ten. Right. Coming in at number nine, Cornell. Number eight, Columbia. Number seven, Duke. Number six, UVA. Number five, Yale. Whoa. Number four, we'll get back to that, I'm sure. Number four, <laughs> Penn. Number three, Chicago. Number two, Stanford. And your number one ATL law school in 2015 is, Ellie, I'll just let you say it. Harvard Law School, baby. Ellie wins again. <laughs> Ah, it's so sweet the first time, isn't it? So, <laughs> so okay, so there we have our top ten. So I think the first thing we would like to talk about, obviously, is uh, let, let's zero in on uh, perennial number one in every ranking system ever, Yale not being number one. Right, absolutely. Of course, that's going to be, uh, for people who are uh, watch this sort of thing, that's going to pop out as, as a real departure from uh, all expectations. The nice thing about our rankings methodology is that we can point to in a concrete way and account for why this shift took place. It's because Yale's numbers are down. Their employment numbers are down and their clerkship numbers are down. In uh, a kind of a striking, they took a striking dip. I'm not sure how to account for it. I, I understand that one of your editorial colleagues is doing a bit of an investigation on the side to sort of come to uh, some conclusions on the what's going over on over at Yale front. But uh, something, you know, something happened with the numbers this year, and we're not going to just sort of fudge things because they are uh, the glittery, typical number one Yale Law School. So you're basically saying that our rankings this year are wrong, right? Well, yes. I, I mean, 
in a spirit of sort of intellectual honesty, I think that we have to acknowledge that if you're bound for Yale Law School, we probably don't have a lot of a lot to offer you in terms of a decision-making tool. Um, you know, we all ranking systems are going to have flaws and compromises and limitations, and ours certainly does, like everyone else's, even though we strive to to uh, do our best here. But um, yeah, so p perhaps it's uh, reflective of some longer-term trend in the the employment outcomes for Yale. Perhaps it's just a little little blip on the uh, on the radar, and then it'll, Yale will return to its. So, a previous, but perch. but ultimately though, well, we don't know. But ultimately though, if you're if you're going to a top ten law school in this system, you're you're in pretty good shape. It's not like you, it's not like you're really doing doing wrong by going to any of these top ten schools. Um, Says yeah. then why you guy? You know, yeah. Well, a that's fair. <laughs> but it, but no, in a serious in a serious way, yeah. the way our methodology is set up, as far as I understand it, you have a good opportunity to get a good job coming out of any of these schools. That, that's absolutely true, and of course, you know. The, the closer you get towards the top of the list, the, the sort of the distinctions are finer and finer and ever finer. Um, and of course, they're all great schools. We're not saying that Harvard is ten times the school that NYU is or anything. Obviously, other you would never say something so crazy. These are really fine distinctions, and you know, as uh, you know. Woody Allen, I think, said uh, the objective is subjective. We had to make some choices about assigning weight to various categories. It's all sort of publicly available objective data points. And, you know, we've done our best to make something useful here. As Vincent Vega said, if you go to Penn over Yale, I will shoot you on general principles. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Brian, yeah. uh, before we move off the rankings, just really quickly, tell me uh, what, what school surprised you, maybe not in the top 10, but what school surprised you in terms of its uh, strength in the rankings? And what school uh, surprised you in terms of its weakness in our rankings? Excellent question. Outside of the top 10, our rankings outcome sort of shows some significant differences with other rankings, by which we almost always mean U.S. News. Georgetown, which is always sort of on the bubble of the top tier of schools in the U.S. News uh, methodology. That's why they have such a, you know, this sort of ungainly T14 concept is basically a Georgetown rule. Georgetown is down a little bit this year in our rankings. They're at number 20. Folks over there probably would be displeased with that. But it's just, again, it's just a function of the employment outcomes. We can point to the numbers as to why they sit where they do. The demise uh, of the Big East well, continues. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing, right? The, our methodology is very outcome-based. It's purely outcome-based. I mean, again, to refer to U.S. News again, which has dominated this law school ranking space for going on a few decades now, their formula is is made up completely of inputs, LSAT scores, GPAs, selectivity, resources, selectivity, um, whereas ours is purely a function. And obviously, there's huge correlations between these two. They're not uh, utterly, they don't just exist in parallel universes, but we focus on employment data. We focus on debt per job metric. We count federal judgeships. We count clerkships. We count big law jobs. It's all outcome determinants. We think that properly considered, Law school is a sort of trade school, or at least a professional school, and the point of going to law school is to secure a job as a lawyer. We don't think that that ought to be a controversial premise. It is, surprisingly, in certain corners of legal academia, but that's our foundational premise. So which school is doing particularly well? Well, um, it's not NYU, you know that. Slightly uh, higher up the list from Georgetown, which I mentioned was at number 20, are 
two state schools, uh, University of New Mexico at 18 and University of Iowa at 19. And I think that their relatively strong showing speaks to the strengths of our rankings because these are two schools that are relatively affordable, which is something that we factor in, and produce good job outcomes for their students, at least in relative terms and considering how challenging the market is. So, Brian, to be clear, those schools are west of the Hudson River? Is that, am I correct with that? (laughs) They are indeed west of the Hudson River. I believe they're both west of the Mississippi River as well. Interesting. Indeed. And then I'll just, as sort of on a slightly personal note, and to show how completely objective and unbiased uh, our approach to rankings are, my own alma mater, Fordham, came in at number 51, which, of course, there is no 51 because it's the ATL top 50 law schools. Um, so they didn't make the they didn't make the cutoff at all. So that was slightly uh, personally painful, but you know we all carry on. <laughs> and maybe we should talk a little bit about the fact that it's a ranking of 50 law schools because we only think that there are you know it's probably even a stretch to say that there are 50 national law schools that are competing against one another for students and for jobs after the fact. The majority of the 200 law schools out there are. are are regional and, and are best considered as regional schools. There's no, it's not a useful piece of consumer information to say that school A in Florida is number 92 and school B in Iowa is number 101. It's essentially meaningless. Right, because if you don't just, know if you want to practice in, in Florida or Iowa, you've got bigger problems. Yeah, you've got bigger problems, exactly. Okay, so that's really interesting. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. So we'll figure out what else uh, Brian can rank here with his uh, crazy math skills. Sponsors! This is normally the time in our show where we have sponsors, and potentially that means that you could be a sponsor. Think Like a Lawyer is seeking sponsorships. So if you're interested in participating in our programming or would like more information about rates, please contact the team at Legal Talk Network at info at legaltalknetwork.com or go to their website at www.legaltalknetwork.com and click on Advertise. Okay, we're back, and we now want to talk about some kind of less less serious things that we can apply our legal slash mathematical brains to. I think this is the most serious thing, because here's the bottom line. The only reason why people care about rankings is because they really want to know, is my law school better than your law school? Can my law school kick your law school's ass? So what I want to ask Brian... How would we go about doing a ranking of actually which law school could beat the other law school in a rumble situation? That, I mean, that's, that's what I care about. You know, I go to Harvard. What, how can I prove that if, if it came to war, the Harvard Law School student body would wipe the floor with the Stanford Law School student body? Full disclosure, Stanford Law School is the only law school that didn't accept me for reasons still passing understanding. How can I prove to Stanford that my alma mater would win in a fight. Well, um, I think we all appreciate a glimpse of your violent inner life, um, <laughs> Ellie. Um, and so I guess just taking, taking your premise, I, I, I think I can be allowed. So, th- so the idea is that sort of we live in some... Thunderdome. Thunderdome situation, or even like a Fury Western Road situation where the schools or the houses grappling with each other, just a pure power. Oh, that's nice, yes. Uh, cutthroat world. Crimson so, Rock. Sure, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so and we can just sort of make up some sort of defensible, I guess is the key word, methodology to rank their uh, ability to win in a rumble. Well, I think because it's sort of such a kind of a knuckleheaded concept, we can, we can, we're safe 
initially just sort of just taking the women out of it completely, right? Is that fair? Oh, I don't know. I, th- I think... <laughs> I don't know. They could be scrappy. <laughs> but also, but I think that they would... Especially when you compare them to law school men. I, that, that, that is true, so maybe that... that that's an, I was sort of giving them more credit that they would just sort of refuse to participate in. This, you know, <laughs> oh no, that's, that's the direction that could be true there. too. Yeah, you know, better things to do and all that. So just let me have that piece mm-hmm. of it. And so then I guess we would, um, you know, we, we'd have to come up with some some metrics. Let let's say, and this is also assuming that we had uh, full access to. We, we could create a meaningful database based on information about, about the, the student body. So we could maybe, you know, how many college athletes did they have? Uh, yeah. How many intramural athletes did they have? Okay. And, like, maybe we could assign different weights to sports. Like, rugby would be worth more than tennis. Um, I mean, this is making wild assumptions and using proxies of, you know, sort of tough guy sports as a functional equivalent of, your, of being able to handle yourself in a bra. And there's probably lots of flaws with that. But let's just go with it. Maybe. All that fencing experience. All that really fencing. Come is, hey, handy. D- I, I depends. Mean, if there's a weapon it, it involved, I mean, then if there's a weapon involved, then maybe we can just say, okay, Texas is number one. How does everybody else fall <laughs> out in place? I mean, it, it depends what you know. If there are any rules at all, if we're going to take sort of a U.S. news in the library approach, maybe we look at the fitness centers and like weigh all the weights they have for the students to use or something. The fitness centers. That's yeah. those you are know, like ghost towns at law schools to begin with, though. Interesting. And we didn't have our own, but we had access to the NYU Fitness Center over here. So There's going to be a lot of sort of organizational yeah. blurring with, like, what's the law school and what's the... Yeah. I mean, from Ellie's perspective, though, I think ultimately the fact that Harvard has, like, five times the student body of oh, Yale... Oh, we have just for size. Oh, and, and, well, and Stanford, which is what he really cares about is beating up Stanford. <laughs> You've got way more students. I think you're in pretty good shape on that front. That makes me happy. Yeah, no. I, in a rumble situation, you definitely want to have strength in numbers. You definitely want to be able to surround and envelop your enemy. Um, I think I think that makes Harvard a, a now now there you were talking a little bit about the tough guy statues. And I think that it, toughness is where Harvard might have some issues, right? Yeah. But, like, I, I, can I, I, your daddies fight for you in this rumble? I think <laughs> it's one one important question. Wait, what, what was the like <laughs> civil war practice person. where you could hire yourself out of the draft? <laughs> yeah, no. If they can do that, then that that changes the game. But no, no. I mean, from the NYU perspective, we're we're in New York, so we we have the natural gangland warriors style mentalities that's going to give us an advantage i think does this come down to texas versus florida state (laughs) um florida state see i don't know if i'd even go there i i mean texas i think is its own thing but i don't know if florida state's their rival in this discussion i mean alabama that's that's a possibility they have a law school in alabama yes (laughs) yeah they they sure do does does nick saban run on that as well no, no. If they did, they'd be higher up on the U.S. news <laughs> listing. I absolutely think Florida State could take to take Alabama because look at what Brian said. Florida State's bigger. I think that I think that's true. Than right? Texas? No, than Alabama. Oh, okay. As an uh, enrollment as an of the Washington? Yeah, I, I'm almost certain that Florida State's bigger. But right, let's just say it. For the also, I think one of your metrics needs needs to be not just. It's not just about fighting harder. It's about fighting smarter. Right. Like, there's got to be some, you know, the, the ingenuity of, of a school to kind of create weapons out of the earth. Oh, see, this is, oh, sure, fine, but you're not, 
what you're trying to get at at this point is some way in which you could sneak back in the fact that you're the top <laughs> in this al- this already academic accounting so that you can pretend that that's somehow a reason why you nerds up in Cambridge could do anything against the unbridled masses here in New York. Look, my only worry is Texas. Because they don't have to engineer their own weapons. They bring those to class. Texas would be hard on Rumble. And here's, here's the other thing, right? Like, I don't know if Texas could, again, in this worldwide Rumble situation, I don't see the, the University of Texas Law School invading Cambridge. You know, we've got rivers, they're cold, that would push. But, like, nobody's, nobody's invading Texas, right? Like, right, nobody's, right. nobody starts a land war in Texas, right? You can imagine sort of intra-Texas fighting, Texas yes. Tech versus Texas versus, you know, Sam Austin State or whatever the other law schools in Texas are. But Texas yeah. A&M now. They Texas have the, A&M. They sure. used to be Texas right. Wesleyan, right? Yep, yep, yep. Would you have a religious metric in there? With the with That's the with, with, with the more spiritual schools in your... We, we would with the pen Quakers just be completely pacifists. Yeah, totally. <laughs> You know, speaking of the Penn Quakers, there was a point that you brought up to me yeah, right before yeah, we started is, recording that I found sort, fascinating. This is sort of a fun fact about our top ten. Again, NYU, Cornell, Columbia, Duke, UVA, Penn, Chicago, Stanford, and Harvard. A majority of those schools' sports mascots have a color, are a color, or have a color in them. In other words, the Crimson, the Cardinal, the Blue Devils, and so forth. Now, how do you account for that, Ellie? That's an interesting. I mean, first way to account for that is that they're all very old schools, mm-hmm. right? Like, and and the older you are, the the, lo- the longer your institution has been around. The, so that doesn't account for Stanford, who only got their name in the seventies, right? Stanford only got their name in the seventies. Yeah, because they were the Indians. Yeah, they changed their <laughs> name. You, you <laughs> because it's the sort of the Dartmouth Big Green. Yeah, Dart- Dartmouth Indians sort of, also. Yeah, yeah, sort of more progressive. A lot of East Coast schools change their original names because they were deemed offensive. I'm not sure if that's true with Cornell or not, which is just yeah. red, but it, there's examples like that. Yeah, like the St. Like John's. Stanford's a perfect example. I, I just can't imagine what Berkeley must have thought about Stanford when they were called the Indians. I had no <laughs> idea that that was. How does that even, how's that even allow? Yeah. Well, it's not anymore. Right. <laughs> You've hit on something. Yeah. Good job. Um, yeah, I think. But my my point was that the you know the, the old Ivies like their you know their their names are very traditional and they weren't they weren't creative back in 1687 or whatever when uh, when certain schools were literally Quakers and Indians were just standing around you right know? by their, their <laughs> I mean t- SMU law is the Mustangs and that's yeah. that's a nice modern uh, nickname for, for for a school that that's because it's a newer school. The only sort of kind of conventional traditional nickname in that whole group is the Columbia Lions. Everyone else is sort of an oddity. What's NYU's nickname? Joe? NYU's athletic teams compete under the name Bobcats. However, that is not actually the the mascot. The actual mascot is violets. And that's not the color. It's the flower. flower. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, they're named after the violets that were growing at Washington Square Park, where the campus is, is, was overgrown with violets back in the day. So... They're the violets. We would so kick your <laughs> My entire life has been a consistent decline of the toughness of mascots in my from the beginning. So I went to a I went to two different high schools because we district split. So I started out as a tiger, which is respectable. And then I moved to be a timber wolf, which is respectable, but clearly gonna lose to a tiger, right? <laughs> then I became a duck because that seems like the next progressive step down. Yeah. And then I became a violet. You are you. Each, each you are an educational food chain. A, a meal for the previous. Yes, yeah. exactly. I am the declining food chain yeah. of 
school mascots. I'm just covered in ivy. Uh, <laughs> and with that, that meteor of elitism, uh, <laughs> I think that concludes today's proceedings. I don't know why you're cracking yourself up so badly over there. <laughs> I mean, because we're number one, man. We're never Harvard Law School is never number one. It's a it's great true. day. Yeah, I guess they're not, and this is wonderful. And you yeah. should celebrate the this fact that here. people who have nothing to do with you have done a very good job. <laughs> that literally, people who came after they got you off the books have become very successful. Oh my God! Do you know how much time, <laughs> how many times online somebody will say to me yeah. that like I, per, me personally, am solely responsible for the lack of reputation of Harvard <laughs> <laughs> students? It's it's nice to see a heretofore obscure institution that really doesn't seek any limelight get some credit for once. So <laughs> this is a great day for uh, great day for Harvard. I'm going to ignore that sarcasm. Woo! All right. Well, then with that, well, I'd like to thank all of you for listening. I'd like to thank Brian for joining Thanks us today guys. to go through these rankings. If you want to read more about the rankings, they're going to be up on AboveTheLaw.com, so you can read those. You can also read anything that I'm writing there. Sometimes Ellie writes there, but he also writes at ATLRedline.com. I'm sure he's going to have some things to say about these rankings. After we release the rank- rankings, I always come out with a post, everything that is wrong with the Above the Law rankings, so look for that in the near future. Yep, and... If you are listening to this podcast and enjoy it, you should start following us on iTunes and subscribing to us there and giving us reviews. That helps us pick up some more credibility and some more listeners and be a suggestion in people's people's queue. Uh, Also, follow both of us on Twitter. All the information that we've gone through before, but there's many ways to follow us. Do that. That's that's the moral of the story. All right, and with that, we'll uh, talk to you later. Bye, all. See you guys later. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.